Welcome to Bow Talks, a podcast by Banking on Women, which is a student society at the University of Melbourne. We are dedicated to empowering, educating and encouraging our members in the financial and professional services industries. Bow would like to respectfully acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulon Nations, who are the traditional custodians of this land, on which we will be recording this podcast on. We pay our respect to their elders past, present and emerging. Hello everyone, welcome to this week's podcast episode. This one's the third one in our series with Unisuper and today we're speaking to Suki uh, from Private Markets who's a senior investment analyst. I will hand it over to Suki right away to ask her who she is and what her passions are as we always do. Thanks for having me. So, yep, I'm a senior investment analyst at Unisuper in the private markets team. Had a long history in corporate Australia, mm-hmm. having having been in the industry for the last 15, almost 16 years. Who am I? What are my passions? I have two young kids who okay. tend to take up most of my time. So <laughs> most of my passions centre around them mm-hmm. at the moment. So we like to spend a lot of time together, yeah. watch movies, play sports, mm-hmm. socialise with friends and family, the, the usual sort of Family activities, yeah. Yeah, love that. And getting more into the corporate side of things, tell us more about your university experience, what you studied, what you did throughout your uni years, and then a brief overview of your career journey as well. So I started, uh, did a Bachelor of Commerce at Monash University mm-hmm. and I majored, majored in accounting and finance. Mm-hmm. During that time, I did two stints of vacation work, both at a big four accounting firm. One was in audit and one was in tax. Mm-hmm. Uh, once I'd finished my degree, I um, took up a graduate role in corporate tax and in one of the big four mm-hmm. firms. Uh, I spent a few years there, realised that tax probably wasn't for me um, and always had an interest in corporate finance. So I uh, started seeking roles in that area. Yep. Luckily for me, an opportunity rose internally within, within my big four firm um, in the M&A valuations team, which I applied for and was lucky enough to be successful in getting. Um, and then I spent the next 11 years doing wow. valuations, yeah. yeah, business valuations for uh, large and small businesses and various types of work. Mm-hmm. Um, during my time at the Big Four, um, I was very lucky to have the opportunity to do a few additional degrees to okay. my bachelor awesome. uh, in commerce. So during my time in tax, I did a graduate diploma in taxation. I also did a CA. And then during my time in valuations, I also did a graduate diploma in applied finance. Wow. And then, yeah, it just sort of came to a point in my career where I was interested in doing something a bit broader in the M&A space and applying my sort of skills in in a broader setting. And that's when I made the move to this investments role at, at Unisuper. Wonderful. Awesome. I Just a quick question. that The additional degrees that you got to do, how was that experience? Uh, like studying outside of, you know, while you were still working yeah. and how did that kind of... Uh, further your skill set is that a big plus and do you use it in your role today like the skills yeah yes and no so obviously I don't use the diploma uh, right. in taxation, taxation very much. Anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that would make sense but it was relevant to my role at the time okay and you know although I don't have a career in tax having an understanding has actually been quite helpful throughout my career in the broad sort of corporate taxation principles um CA I think in this industry is very important it's mm-hmm. a little bit of a ticket to play okay. I think at the moment but also it gives you a little bit of exposure to different types of subject matter yeah. in the sort of broader financial and corporate Australia Makes in, sense. Like industry. Mm-hmm. And then I would say the most useful to me was my graduate diploma in applied finance because it was mm. directly related to my valuations role. I was able to pick and choose which 
finance subjects I wanted right. to do and that were directly relevant to me. But the experience, I mean, working full-time and studying yeah. can be difficult, mm. um, but I, th- I think it, I think it's worthwhile, yeah. Sure. And it builds a bit of resilience and, yeah. and you know, Variety. qualification. Yeah, yeah it's a good, quali- good qualifications to have. For sure, yeah. for sure. No, that's good. And then you obviously made the switch over to Unisuper. I wanted to ask first about what, what made that happen? Because like you said, you were at the Big Four Forum for almost 15 years altogether. So how did that come about? And what, what made Unisuper stand out from other opportunities? Yeah, so as I said, for me, it was an interest in applying my sort of M&A skills, corporate finance skills in a, in a broader setting. So doing valuations was quite a sort of specific role, despite having a, a broad skill set. I wanted to apply that in uh, a business and that had a direct impact on the business itself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so Unisuper, I think what sets Unisuper apart is that it's one of the fastest growing super funds at the moment and we're quite active in, in the investment market and able to deploy capital um, and make uh, investments quite effectively and efficiently. We were also one of the first in the industry to internalise the management of our investments, wow. which means, you know, it sort of opened up a lot of interesting roles for people like me and my team to mm-hmm. do some really interesting M&A type work. And I think the great thing about the role is that it's so wide ranging in terms of its responsibilities. So not only do we get to assess investments in a, a really wide spectrum of yeah. industries, yeah. we also get to know our existing investments at a really intimate level. Mm-hmm. And so, as I said, for me, I was I was hoping to apply the skills that I had for it, the direct benefit of an organisation, our main stakeholders being our members. Mm-hmm. Of course. Yeah. yeah, makes sense. So touching more broadly on your role at Unisuper now in private markets, well, it, private markets can be a little bit of an un- unfamiliar field for some of our listeners. Um, so could you please explain what your role exactly is? What is private markets and how does it fit into the broader financial landscape? So private markets is distinct from uh, public markets. Mm -hmm. So public markets, as we know, is listed equities that you can trade in. Private markets relates to everything unlisted. So generally it's infrastructure assets and funds, private equity and property. Uh, At Unisuper, we have a separate property team. So the private markets team at Unisuper solely focuses on infrastructure assets and private equity assets and funds. Yeah. So I think the interesting thing about the role is that it sort of has two parts to it. One you could call an M&A part. Okay. And the second is investment management. Okay. So the M&A um, side of things is very interesting because mm-hmm. we cover the entire M&A life cycle. Um, so that sort of includes your the pre-deal where you assess a potential investment and we have potential opportunities come across our desk every day mm-hmm. and it's up to us to assess whether or not it might be a compelling opportunity and fit within our investment strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we weed out the ones that don't fit within our investment strategy and then look to potentially, potentially proceed with the ones that are, are more compelling for sure. us. Um, and then the next sort of stage of the M&A life cycle is sort of the initial stages of declaring your interest in a potential investment and the conversations and the formalities that go along with that. It could be, you know, a letter of intent or yeah. some negotiation there. Um, the next phase would be due diligence. So this is probably the biggest phase of the M&A life cycle where you get access to in-depth information yeah. on the business and the investment and you you also might get access to due diligence reports, and that could be on all aspects of the business. So 
financial, accounting, legal, tax, and and others, depending on the specific business and industry in which they operate. Mm -hmm. And having access to all this information allows you to make a more informed decision on whether or not you wish to to make that investment. And during that process, you have to liaise with a lot of a lot of external parties like hmm. Q&A with management of, of the potential investment or their advisors and investment investment bankers, for example. Yeah, yeah. And then if you get through due diligence phase and you still want to pr- proceed with the investment, you then move to making an offer, which is informed by mm-hmm. the interrogation and the work that you've done in the due diligence phase. And then if that's successful, you sort of move to negotiation and then closing the deal. So then there's a post-transaction sort of aspect where you onboard your investment and integrate that investment into your portfolio. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of the M&A side of things. Understood, yep. And then the investment management side of things sort of happens after you've made an investment and you're you're sort of involved in the ongoing yep. management of your interest in that asset in our capacity as a shareholder. Mm-hmm. So that involves constant engagement with the company. Um, sometimes we um, sit on or appoint nominee directors to sit on the board of directors so okay wow um and that gives you the opportunity to sort of weigh in on operational matters of, of the investment so for example the head of private markets she sits on a, a couple of boards of that's our investments, amazing which is yep. a really great opportunity mm-hmm. and um for the team we also get the opportunity to sit on investment advisory committees mm-hmm. of some of our um investments which is sort of like a committee of um various shareholders sort of talk through issues okay. or you know yeah um discuss potential investments, pipelines, Mm. that kind of thing. And, yeah, I guess outside of all that, you really get to deal with a wide range of people being, you know, big four consultants, investment bankers, M&A houses, you know, the management of potential investments and that kind of thing. So it's quite a a broad-ranging role. Very broad-ranging and gives you so much to work on and so many different facets to it. I absolutely love that you're involved in almost every single stage of the deal. I feel like um, other career options definitely focus in on one, whereas... Um, yeah, I'd, I hadn't heard of being through, involved in, an, uh, in a full M&A life cycle before in yes. any other role. So that's quite interesting. Just out of curiosity, how long does that, that whole life cycle process usually take or does it tend to depend deal to deal? Yeah, it varies deal to deal. Yeah. We've seen some that have taken over 12 months. Okay, wow. Um, and then some are on the shorter end of the scale, yeah. a, a, a few months. So it really depends. Yeah. It really depends. Fair enough. Well, now that we've understood how and the operations that you're involved in in private markets, could you give us an example and put things into perspective, perhaps an example of a private markets transaction that Unisuper was involved in? Yeah, there was quite a, um, uh, a well-known one that took place in 2022, mm-hmm. which was the take private of Sydney Airport. Okay, So yeah. prior to that, Sydney Airport was listed on mm-hmm. the stock exchange and then a consortium of investors got together to delist it, basically, yep. and <laughs> take, the, take the airport private. And so that was quite a, um, quite a large transaction. It was a $32 billion transaction oh, wow. where yeah. a consortium of investors, like-minded investors, which you know, included us mm-hmm. um, and other super funds and other global funds, uh, sort of worked together to take, take Sydney Airport private, um, of which we now own 15%. Um, and as I mentioned before, our head of private markets is, now sits on the board of directors 
oh, of Sydney Airport as wonderful. well. So there's a lot of media on on, yes. on the deals. If anyone's interested, yeah, feel free to do do a Google. <laughs> yeah. There's plenty plenty of media. I on. definitely will be after this conversation. Um, so moving on to, I guess more generally, what do you wish more people knew about working at a superannuation firm? It's definitely something you hear of at least at uni, but don't hear enough of, I would say. So yeah. tell us more about superannuation. Yeah, I would say that the work is really interesting and meaningful. Right. Um, so... As I said before, the work that we do in our team is very much an M&A role, but mm-hmm. it's not just about advising clients on M&A and then moving from project to project. Right. Um, it's for the investments that we want to acquire and we have to then go on and manage over, over the long term. So there's mm-hmm. a level of responsibility and accountability there. In terms of it being meaningful, it has real world impacts. So, you know, on the long term, it has an impact on the long term financial well-being of our members. And when you think about the fact that, you know, most people, everyone in the working force does have a superannuation fund or right. is a member of a superannuation right. fund. Or if you think about your parents or your grandparents who are nearing retirement and they're also a member of a superannuation fund, like the work that we do has a direct impact on mm-hmm. the financial well-being of our members in retirement. So there's that mm-hmm. real sort of tangible real world aspect to to what we do, as well as having the really interesting work opportunities um, that are similar to M&A houses. And some of the work I know the equities team do could could be comparable to some of the equities research that, you know, investment banks do. So there's actually quite a lot of interesting work that we do. Of course, um, definitely sounds like it. And I guess in your, you've had a long spanning career in finance in general, and you've obviously been well credited, well qualified across a range of topics. In your opinion, what are the three most important traits to have a successful career in finance? That makes you stand out as a person who can progress through ranks and, you know, achieve all the wonderful things everyone wants to achieve. Yeah. <laughs> this is an interesting one because I think the three that I've chosen are actually generally applicable. Okay. Finance or not. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Let's hear it. I would say um, my first two are, uh, are related. So resilience okay. and be adaptive because as much as we try to plan things, your career journey, you know, yeah. there are always things outside of your control. For sure that you just never see coming. So Mm -hmm. I think being able to adapt to change and be resilient through that change and sort of see it through, Mm -hmm. I think is really, really important. I'll give you an example. Early in my career, just as I'd started my career, you know, we had the GFC hit. Oh, wow. Okay. You know, we didn't foresee, especially as young graduates, we didn't foresee that coming. So, you know, and and that was quite a big impact on financial markets. You know, there were redundancies, that kind of thing, you know, throughout Mm -hmm. the entire industry. Mm -hmm. So... Although some of those things may feel like a setback, you know, I think it's important to sort of adapt, be dynamic and sort of move with the times. And I think that also applies to -to day-to-day working life in terms of the people you work with or you might come across people they don't gel with, Mm -hmm. but, you know, be resilient, sort of adapt as best you can. Understood. And then the third one would be seek to gain knowledge. So Mm. Whether that be learning more about a particular subject matter that you're interested in or if you see your career going down a certain path, inform yourself. Mm. Try to gain more knowledge on whatever that topic might be. Whether that be talking to a mentor, Mm -hmm. talking to colleagues or people in industry who are further down the path than you are, whether that be formal education via a degree, I think. Yeah, I would say seek to gain more knowledge. Be informed. Yeah. I like that. I think those are very important ones. Yeah. I definitely agree. Um, you mentioned a mentor. Did you have a personal mentor any time throughout your career journey? Or uh, I would say I didn't have one mm-hmm. throughout my career. It was more sort of multiple 
over right. the course of, of my career and sort of people you look up to, you gel with For and sure. have more life experience and more work experience than I did at the time and you sort of draw on that sort mm. of as you go yeah. yeah yeah nice the next question I had for you was a comment on your work-life balance and how it's evolved as you've switched roles over your career journey how have your priorities shifted and what does it look like for you now yeah it's a good question um because there are at my age there are a lot of parents mm-hmm. that are sort of going through the journey of you know having kids and and your priorities may be shifting a little bit I think it sort of ties into a little bit of being adaptive and and resilient mm-hmm. throughout your career journey because things don't always necessarily go to plan. So, um, as a working mum, I had the uh, opportunity to go on maternity leave and take some time off to care for awesome. my kids, yep. and then come back to working part time. Mm. So basically, since I've had kids, I've been working part time either three or four days oh, okay. um, for the last eight or so years, and. I've definitely had to adjust the way in which I work. So yep. naturally, every role you'll go through very busy periods, you know, manageably busy periods, mm-hmm. and then quiet periods as well. So it's never consistent, but there are picks and troughs. Yeah, I think um, I subscribe to this concept of work-life flow. Okay, I like more that. <laughs> than work-life balance because mm-hmm. I think work-life balance sort of suggests that you shut off at a particular time, right? Every day, yeah. sort of situation. But I think being a working parent where, you know, you might need to leave at a certain time to pick up kids and then, you know, put them to bed, mm-hmm. that's a big chunk in the middle of your afternoon or evening mm-hmm. in order to get the job done or, you know, do what I need to do. I will log on after the kids are asleep to right. sort of complete what you need to do right. or catch up on emails or that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of what I mean by work-life flow where your day sort of flows between doing work things yeah. and life things. Yeah. Um, and I think going forward, especially after, you know, major changes after, you know, the pandemic, for example, Mm -hmm. um, where people's lifestyles and patterns, working Mm. patterns have changed. I think, yeah, subscribing to a work-life flow. I like that idea a lot. Makes sense. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Even, even on, um, it's weird how like, even as a university student, it it relates to me still because you're managing different aspects of your life and it's not so much of a balance, but more so of a, I don't know, you're just managing things at different times of the day and you, you flow between them as opposed to just cutting off. So I, I quite like that. Um, um, and I guess also commenting more on the informal aspects of working at UniSuper. Um, how is the workplace culture? You've, um, you know, obviously decided to join the firm because you found it as an attractive uh, place to work. So what contributed to that? Yeah, on the other than the work itself, yeah. it's a, it's the investments team is a really great team. Mm-hmm. The culture is really nice. Everyone is super super nice. Really chatty. And just very, very easy to get along with. Wonderful. Yeah, as a, yeah. New, as a new joiner, I had everyone just introducing themselves to me, which was a new experience to me, actually. I really, really enjoyed and sort of just giving you a bit of time. Yeah, right, to get that's to lovely. So, yeah, it's a really it's a really great sort of collegiate environment where we do, especially in the private markets team, we do get to work with the different teams across, across mm-hmm. the, um, mm-hmm. the business. Yeah. And um, another one of the questions relating to private markets, you kind of segmented the two into, you know, the M&A side and the investment management side. Is that how it's reflected structurally? Structurally <laughs> as well? Or no, does everyone, everyone does yeah, everything? Everyone gets to work on everything. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Do you have a preference? <laughs> Which one I do you like? Both. I yeah? think both. So honestly, I, there's never a dull day in investments because it's 
so broad ranging. Even our existing asset portfolio is such a across such a wide range of investments. Like we have airports, wow. we have private partnership type assets, like um, a, a cancer center, like a cancer hospital care center. Um, to Timberlands <laughs> ranges <laughs> so widely. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of the M&A side of things, like the investments that we assess, it sits across the full spectrum of Perfect. infrastructure assets Perfect. and private equity assets. So Makes never a dull day. Yeah. I can, I can, it sounds like it. Perfect. Well, that almost brings us to the end of the episode. So as we always conclude, if you could go back to your 20-year-old self with one piece of advice, what would it be? Network more. Okay. <laughs> I think um, I was probably a little bit shyer when I was mm-hmm. younger and maybe didn't appreciate the value right. in networking. Getting but, on LinkedIn. Yeah, <laughs> get on LinkedIn, you know, joy, go to events, mm. uni events, networking events, everything. Just build your network because it's a small world. Mm. Um, Melbourne is a small city <laughs> and you'll find the same in the other cities um, as well. So, yeah, you never know who you'll cross paths with with again makes sense yeah. that, that's a good piece of advice and for anyone who wants to learn more about your role the super field more in general are there any resources or books that you'd like to recommend I don't have anything specific other than um, listening to podcasts and things like this I think the thing that I would say is most beneficial that I've found most beneficial is talking to people right yeah, yeah. And, and, and just sort of listening to their first world experience so seek mm-hmm. out whether it's your parents, your parents' friends, yeah, people, yeah. you know, that you network with at events, that kind of thing. Yes. Um, seek to talk to people in, in their fields and understand more. And there's obviously always the formal education side of things, but sometimes you're not sure if you want to go yeah, down that path. Exactly. So I think talking to people is the best way. I love it. Yeah, and in terms of M&A generally, I would say just sort of keep on top of the market. Read the newspaper. The uh, mm-hmm. Australian Financial Review is a great resource just to sort of Keep an eye on what's going on mm-hmm. um, in both the economy and the sort of M&A market. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, there we go. That was Suki from Private Markets at Unisuper. Thank you so, so much for being on the podcast. Appreciate your time and all your insights you had to share. Thanks for having me. Of course. And thank you for listening once again to Botox. We will see you next week for our next episode. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of Bow Talks. Please do follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn at Banking on Women. Thank you, everyone. Bye.